from. Uh-huh. Uh, they weren't looking for that at the show. <laughs> well, you know, you can't please everybody. Yeah, so I, but I, I look great. The best I've ever looked. You look amazing. Yeah, really. And as long as you look and you feel good, I mean, yeah. what else happens? And I prefer that more athletic look. So, I mean, I could take the same look to a different show next week and probably win the whole show. Place. I wouldn't doubt it. No, so, for a second. Yeah, it's subjective. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely. I'm going into an off season now. I'm going to eat and grow, take some time to grow and get ready to try to qualify for nationals maybe in the spring. Maybe do a powerlifting meet later this year. Awesome. Venture into other sports for a little bit. Awesome. And your your magazines, they're out now. Uh, so Center Stage Magazine, the summer body issue actually dropped yesterday. Ooh, y'all better go pick that up. Yeah, if you go look at my Facebook, I've actually shared the link this morning, so you can like download a digital copy or order your print copy. And then Strong Fitness Magazine will be on newsstands at Barnes & Noble, Whole Foods, Walmart, anywhere there's really like news like a newsstand. Uh, awesome. Anywhere between now and July 15th, each store gets their like their shipment at different times. Okay, great. Uh, but yeah, they emailed me the other day that that one is coming out very soon. So keep on. Awesome. Yeah, guys, make sure you check out Bradley Cole. Go uh, we'll pick up her magazine, pick up your digital copy or your paper copy. Uh, today's show, we are going to be talking about serial killers. And this kind of, this I whole idea kind of came up last week after the show. We were all hanging, hanging out, having a few beers, eating some pizza, and. Um, overheard a conversation between Eddie and Philip and Vic and they were talking about serial killers. And serial killers is something that, uh, <laughs> they're just something that I've always found very, very intriguing. Something I've always read about, something I've always been interested in. And not just, you know, serial killers and what they did and, you know, what they're known for, but really the psyche behind it is like nothing. I want to know what makes a human commit those kinds of depraved acts. I want to know what. <laughs> don't don't censor yourself, Eddie. What? I'm, I'm not censoring myself. I'm just. Uh, I think their way of thinking, the way they're wired, is completely different from what I consider to be a normal individual. Well, do you think that they're born that way, or do you think that they're made that way? <clears throat> That's a good question. See, that's it's a question. little bit of both. I mean, Me too. There's no black and white answer because, yeah, like that is the biggest question in psychology now is are serial killers born or are they created right. based of all these different factors? But if you look at all the notorious serial killers, so that's the weird thing too. Uh, they actually would like to do more studies on their brain to see if it really is something that is I wish they would. Yeah. But the main thing that is consistent with what psychologists hypothesize is wrong within the brain itself is it has something to do with the amygdala, uh -huh. and that's the part of the brain that controls aggression and fear. Uh -huh. um, so basically when they do a kill, like it really stimulates that. And they a lot of times sexually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the part of the amygdala, it's really hard to kind of look at that because I mean, it's not like they can study somebody in the act of killing somebody to see what's really what the yeah, lighting what's up. And that too, the amygdala, it's literally the size of a peanut. Oh, wow. It's very small. Um, but even anything in psychology, whether it be antisocial personality disorder, which is what a lot of serial killers actually have, right? Um, or anything really, the biggest thing in, in mental health is 
we think it's biopsychosocial. So that means like biology, so meaning brain chemistry, psycho, meaning uh, your thoughts and your feelings and how you cope with those and how you deal with them and how you interact with other people, and then social. So your environment, this environment can have a lot to do with how you're gonna be. Okay, I love I love that we have you here. So for those of you who don't know, I believe you have your master's, am I correct? Yeah. Master's in psychology, and then your minor was? Um, I have a double major, so my bachelor's is also psychology and okay. sociology. So psychology is the study of the self and the mind, and then sociology is the study of like different ethnic groups or cultures, yes. so bigger, larger scale. So just for every, our, our audience that's watching here live and our audience online, you know, we, we brought in an expert, you guys. Oh, that's not an expert. <laughs> I, counsel, I counsel people with normal shit to deal with depression and anxiety. You're like, not narcissistic and, and fighting couples, not, not yeah. <laughs> but, but you've learned about it. Yeah, I did take a few classes, like psychology of criminal behavior, abnormal psychology, psychopathology, um, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that was another thing too. Like, so for antisocial, I mean, yeah, antisocial personality disorder, um, you can't really be diagnosed with that until you're 18. Oh, well, so why is that? Because your brain's not done developing. Yeah, your brain's not done developing, and then sometimes there's just some kids that just have what we call like conduct disorder. Mm -hmm. So they kind of grow out of that once they learn healthy coping mechanisms. But the thing with you know serial killers who have antisocial personality disorder, they don't have any coping. Well, they have no, they have no, no empathy. empathy. Yeah, I was going to say no feelings, but that's not the right word. It's it's no empathy. They don't see humans as humans. They kind of see them as objects. Yeah, and a lot of times uh, they start out with, you know, conduct disorders, so doing like minor offenses, like stealing or oh yeah, really um, torturing animals, killing animals. Yeah, things like that. Experimenting. So it's really hard like to kind of gauge who's going to be, because that's a funny thing too, there's regular ass people like in business who have antisocial personality disorder, but it doesn't mean that they kill people. Right. So uh, something that I learned that was really interesting in my psychology and criminal behavior class was that all mostly all serial killers have antisocial personality disorder, but not all people who have antisocial personality disorder are serial killers. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, you, it absolutely you can does. have some really manipulative fast people in the business. I think world. I dated all of them. <laughs> so you're an expert. <laughs> you're in purpose. With my experience in, in antisocial personality disorder and that I dated, I would say that yes. <laughs> I'm an expert. That's what I was going to ask. Is there one commonality that they found? that each one possesses, like a personality I trait? I think that, like, from everything I've read, now mind you, I, I didn't go to, I'm not going to school for that. I'm going to school for business because that's what I've been doing for the past 12 years. But this was always, like, my hobby, always something that I read up on. It was always something that I've enjoyed to research. And it's one thing that I've kind of noticed reading biographies, autobiographies of serial killers, is that a lot of them tend to have issues with their mothers. A lot of them. Not all of them. But a lot of them tend to have a lot of issues. They experience child abuse at an early age. They experience uh, feelings of not being wanted, of, of abuse, you know, from the people who are supposed to love them the most, uh, you know, and things like that. I, I think that it's a combination of things. I think that you can be born with, you know, genes and with things that could make you more prone to antisocial personality disorder and more prone to violent behavior and things like that. And I think that your environment also has a lot to do with it because if you're, you have that tendency and then you're put in the environment that is going to catalyst that out of you, I think, I think that's what, you know, the perfect storm is. 
Well, it's kind of like that whole debate of, you know, is there really an alcoholism gene? Right. 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 So, I mean, of course, if you have parents that were both alcoholics and you grew up around that, and then it kind of feels like your safe zone to associate yourself with other people that do drugs and things like that, then yeah, you're going to be more likely to kind of fall into that. But genes aren't necessarily everything. Right. But, I mean, yeah, if someone's already kind of born with a, what we call, like, I guess, a predisposition, right. and their environment is shit, well, then, of course, they're, if it's like I said, they're not going to have coping mechanisms. Because there are some serial killers who don't have antisocial personality disorder. Most of them do. You know, another thing about serial killers, and I'm just going to throw them out there, a lot of serial killers are Virgos. Anybody else know that? No. A lot of them are Virgos. I've dated so many Virgos. So you're going to be like dating the next Ted Bundy. Exactly. They're very looking and very charismatic, however they are very dark. They're going to like interview her on Investigative Discovery, and she's going to be like, I have no idea. I have no idea. He was so sweet. So tender. You know, I was actually like talking with my friend. Okay, so I went I went on a Bumble date last night. Does anybody here know what Bumble is? Anybody on Bumble? Uh, no. That's the dating app where like the girl has to initiate. Exactly. Right? Yes. Okay. So nobody, just so y'all know, nobody raised their hands. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, and they're kind of laughing. Okay. Loser. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a dating app, and on that dating app, if you match, then it's up to the girl to message the guy first. The girl has to make the first move. I kind of like it because then guys can't just randomly message me all the time, and that's pretty awesome. So anyway, really so last night I went. <laughs> I do now. I like to be in control. So, <laughs> so last night I went on. A, I went on a double date, right? It was the first date we met up. We had a really good time, but we met up because uh, in his profile he put that he was a horror enthusiast. And I, everybody who knows me, like if, I don't know if y'all can see my shirt on online right now, but I am wearing a Buffalo Bill shirt. So uh, yeah, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the house again. Like, I'm very into horror movies, I'm very into serial killers. I'm especially into horror movies that are about serial killers. I absolutely love them. So can you guys, I mean, just real quick, a movie you like, based with, with the subtitle, based on a true story. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not based on a true story. It's actually based on the story of three different serial killers. And I, I love how they took pieces of every single one. We got a question over here at the bar. No? Three. Three? Yeah, three. Three, three, three different serial killers. Actually, one of them is not even a confirmed serial killer. Ed Gein did not, is not confirmed to have killed three people. And to be put as a, be labeled as a serial killer, you're supposed to kill at least three people. There's an escalation period, there's a pulling down period, there's a whole MO that goes along with, with becoming labeled as a serial killer. Anything, anybody? Wow, I didn't, you know, like, I, I was having a conversation with my professor about this the other day, and he was saying, like, these were his words, he's like, <sighs> It's like impossible for anybody to be a serial killer anymore. It fucking sucks. <laughs> and like, I mean, we thought about it, he's like, well, you think about it because everybody always gets caught now because technology has, you know what I mean? It's evolved so much. Like now we can, we have all these tests and forensics that we can run. Whereas back in like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and John McGacy's day, like they fucking still like suck up their doors unlocked and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yes, Alfredo, we got to, we have to set an input on our, 
but yes, Alfredo, you're a Virgo. That must mean that you're a psycho. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> Just answer that question for you real quick. But yes, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's really it's really interesting. Well, isn't the thing for a Virgo too also that they like really enjoy traveling? So like for yes. a serial killer, like when they cross lines and murder in other states. Yeah. Like, so, so was Ted Bundy a Virgo? I I believe so. I can I can Google it real quick, but I totally you should Google it. Let's see if you can. Can somebody Google that? Yeah, can somebody Google it because I want to. Ted Bundy a Virgo. I believe that he was. I can't remember right he, now. I mean, his or the way he lowered men was. You know, he traveled to women. Several. Well, Ted Bundy was women. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer. Was Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm sorry. And he, okay. yeah, he likes young men, young yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I have a young men. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer had a lot of advantages. He also had alcoholism. Oh yeah, definitely. I and I think it, he his whole thing when they ended up interviewing him later on was that he was so he had these abandonment issues. He didn't want anybody to leave him. He started to consume the bodies of his victims. Sagittarius. Okay, that's Sagittarius. That's wrong. So um, he started to consume his his victims because he really felt that they would become a part of him mm -hmm. and they would never leave him that way. And I, I mean, that can all stem back to, you know, his childhood. That can, but at the same time, you know, where do you, where in psychology do you draw the line from? Oh, he was tormented in his childhood, and he was, you know, this and that. And that's what caused this. To, oh, he's just an animal. I mean, it's like I was saying. Sometimes, if you're already kind of born with something kind of out of whack, your environment or your experiences can kind of activate that, I guess, you know? Yeah, kind of bring it out. Yeah, that's what I think. So did either one of you have like a favorite serial killer? I really like Ted Bundy. You motherfucker escaped from prison twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and murdered more people while he was escaped. Like, it was crazy. And he had like all these degrees and like fucking women. Like even they knew he was like, well, I don't, my whole thing is like, I don't know if they knew he was like, crazy and they just didn't care or if they like deep down thought he was innocent but he had like people fucking like a club and shit like well yeah i mean so did charles manson it's just they're they're they tend to be so charismatic and, and especially to Benny, they always talk about how charismatic and charming he was well, yeah that, that was his thing he was just you know he he'd was, be walking down the street and girls would stop and stare at him yeah he was handsome i mean he was a good looking guy i mean they had zach efron playing for crying out loud yeah that movie I, j I actually just watched that movie. I mean, it was good, but... It took a different direction than I thought it was going to take. Me too. But then again, if you really think about it, like, that was one of the, like, most gruesome serial killers of, like, all time. If they, I feel like they may have thought that if they, like, actually reenacted some of those murders, it would be in bad taste. Well, I think so, what it was was they were telling it from Liz's side of the story. Yeah, that they, too. Yeah, it was her perspective. I think they based it off her book. They, it was from her perspective. And she just saw him as this great guy who had his quirks, but he he was there for her. Well, that's the biggest thing with antisocial personalities where they're very charming, but they're also very narcissistic, so. Narcissistic. That's why if you think about it, a lot of serial killers, when they're looking for girlfriends, they pick somebody who's kind of very submissive and wild-eyed and bushy-tailed. Oh, there. definitely. And that, too, they're really good at... Uh, socializing because they need to blend in to keep the, the roots up. So. Oh yeah, 
they, they definitely, uh, it, it's, it's always very manipulative. People, yes, it's people that you never would have expected. I mean, look at the BTK killer. He was a, I don't know if you guys, do you guys know who I'm referring to? Yeah. Okay, so he, uh, BTK killer, buy, torture, kill. That's what that acronym stood for. And he would do like home invasions, basically, like break into the home, kill the whole family, and find, torture, and kill his victims. And he was like, wasn't he like a youth pastor? Wasn't he like a deacon at his church and like a pillar in the community? I thought that was John Him as well. And he was also a clown for children's parties. But BTK killer was the last person anybody would have expected. Nobody, nobody suspected him of anything. Same thing with John Wayne, you know, while we're talking about John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy was Pogo the Clown at children's birthday parties. You know, and then in, you know, they say hindsight's always twenty twenty, And in hindsight, you know, clowns, they have a union. I don't know if you guys know this, but clowns have a union. It's a clown union? Yes, and that clowns, I'm dead. I am dead motherfucking serious about this. There is a, like a clown union. There is like a whole thing to the, the makeup, the way that you draw your face on as a clown and things like that. And every clown has like a different thing. But anyway, it, they pointed out that John Wayne Gacy, when he would draw Pogo and when he was Pogo, Pogo had very sharp edges. And clowns were not supposed to have sharp edges. Everything is rounded off. Like think about Ronald McDonald and the way that he would paint the mouth on. It's mm -hmm. rounded, and most clowns are rounded. But if you look at Pogo, Pogo was a sharp, upturned smile that came to a to a corner. The Joker as well. And that's another thing, and it and it all goes back into those are like little subtle Easter eggs that you probably have to look for that kind of go back and then explain, oh, wow. Now I'm going to like be staring at clown faces, like, <laughs> Which ones are evil? Which ones are yeah. the cool clowns and which ones are... That's because I have some friends that dress up as clowns. Well, that's why it, Pennywise has sharp eyes. Mm -hmm. That's why... What about it? Does it have... Yeah, Pennywise. Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pennywise. It has, he has some sharp, you know, he has the lines that go up and down on his eyes. And then mm -hmm. his, his smile is very sharp and pointed at the end. And then if you also think about American Horror Story, uh, the clown in uh, season four, okay. uh, Freak Show, he had a very, very pointed smile as well. And then he also had the lines that went up and down on his eyes. So uh, that's like, and just like totally off topic, but I've been, have you guys ever been to the Museum of Death? No. No, there's a friend who went. Yeah, there's one in California, in, in LA, and then there's one in New Orleans. And they're, I've been to the one in New Orleans, absolutely amazing. I, I'm not gonna lie, I teared up when I came face to face with an original Pogo painting, because if you don't know, John McGusey painted Pogo a lot. He made a lot of portraits of himself as, as Pogo the clown. I would feel like I would need to cleanse myself with holy water. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was like my absolutely, yeah. absolutely uh, favorite. Okay, we've got, we've got a comment from, on the Facebook Live. Um, Viola Brown, she's curious, at what point makes the individual snap to the point of continuing to kill and labeled as a serial killer? Some start early in age or later in age, so at what point do they make the change? Just curious. So a serial killer is defined by um, having a, a certain, first of all, you have to kill at least two people. Between these kills, there is a cooling off period, an escalation period, and then another kill. And usually the MO of these kills have, is very specific. 
Uh, it can be ritualistic in, in nature, but every serial killer usually has his own, what they call signature. And um, so when it goes from, when it, when it presents with that pattern of a pulling off period, an escalation period, a killing period, or a hunting period, and then a, a kill, and then there is a cooling off period again, and then they are hunting again, and they find their next kill. And usually, this tends to shorten. The time between kills will shorten, everything will escalate, and that's usually what defines a serial killer. Now, as far as um, the point in their life that makes an ind individual snap, I mean, I've heard stories that it could be basically anything. Anything, any kind of high stress situation can take someone who has a very high predisposition for this kind of violence and this kind of activity. Um, well, going going back to what I was telling you earlier, the part of the brain that is activated the most when they kill is the amygdala, and that is in charge of our fear and aggression. So, if you're talking about somebody who gets a thrill out of killing somebody, I mean, because that's why you said there's that cooling off period. Like, right. they'll kill once, okay, they got out of their system, it's enough to kind of satisfy that, that thirst or whatever you want to call it. Well, then they start to get, you know, antsy again. They, right. They're talking about somebody who doesn't have any coping mechanisms because they don't have empathy. So, to me, I would think, I don't know what initially makes them snap and do that first kill, but I think after the third, fourth, fifth, you know, it just becomes a means of somehow self-soothing. But isn't it also kind of like a drug addict? You get that yeah, you're getting, you're getting that fix, but think about a drug addict. Why are they doing that? It's self-soothing to them. Right, right. But they never get to reach that same high that they did that first time. They're always chasing that high that they felt that first time. I mean, I kind of think it's the same with serial killers. I mean, I could be wrong. So doesn't it become an addiction at a certain point? I would Maybe I'm using it so. in the wrong term. Not using the wrong word, but... I think so. I think it could. Partly that, and then partly I think that some of them just really enjoy the game. Yeah, and like how you, were talk, how you were talking about BTK, right? Yeah. They, he left a lot of clues. Oh, yeah. Like, for, it's, it's, he taunted the, the police for years. Yeah, it's kind of that whole thing of like that narcissism I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Some of them, they, it's it's the thrill. It's, it's their, it gets their adrenaline going. Goodness gracious. Well, guys, we are live. For everybody who's just tuning in, we are live here from the Tavern, uh, the Tavern Corpus Christi. We're discussing serial killers. We have special guest Brittany Colt back with us again today. And um, we're basically, if you guys have any input, please feel free to like comment on our Facebook Live, uh, send us a message on Facebook, and we'll be happy to, mess to answer you guys. So uh, let's get part on favorite serial killers. So. You guys said, I said Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. What about you, Eddie? Only because I was so fascinated with him was uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. yeah, and killing those boys. Isn't it amazing how one of the boys escaped? I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. how he escaped. Found he escaped. Ran from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. Found a police officer. Found a police officer. Mm -hmm. Told the police officer this guy is trying to kill me, and Jeffrey Dahmer comes down. And he talks to the, he is able to convince this police officer that that's, what was it? His, his, young, boy, his younger boyfriend, yes. and yes. He, he was on some drugs, and yeah, was, just let me take him home so that I can have him cool down, that kind of thing. And the cop let him go. 
and gave it back to Jeffrey Dahmer. I think the witnesses were very adamant as well, telling the cops, you know, hey, there's something wrong with this kid. And the cops were like, don't worry about it. We will take care of it. Uh, and it, it was just, you know, when I watched that documentary, my jaw just dropped. You know what, what decade was that again? Was that the 80s? No, that was, that was the 70s. Okay, well, if you yeah. think about it, late 70s, early 80s, I think. Yeah, well, if you also think about it then, maybe. I could uh, be wrong. Being gay didn't really become publicly talked about until the 80s. In the 70s and 60s, it was still kind of like right. taboo. So right. the cop probably was just like, mm, he's gay. I'm just going to stay out of it. Deal with it. Just go. You know, I never thought about it like that. And you're absolutely right. They were probably just like, I don't even want to deal with this right now. And he was, he was so open with everyone about it as well. I mean, as far as his victims. Yeah. You know, he had, he didn't care. So I, I'm, I'm. As he lured them. Oh, of course not. No, he had absolutely no empathy. He didn't see them. Uh, he wanted to create someone, like a living doll to yeah. be with him. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer did experiments on drilling into their brains, pouring acid into certain parts of their brains. He spent a lot of time really trying to make the perfect, like, zombie, almost. Like a living zombie that yeah. would obey his will, stay there at the apartment, have sex with him when he wanted to, fulfill his every desire, and that's really what he was searching for. Someone who would never be able to leave him. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was what fascinated me about it, was, like you said, he was creating zombies. He, what was he using? Chloroform or something like that? He, yeah. he was injecting their brain with chloroform and he would he test it. lobotomies, like yeah. very, very makeshift yeah. lobotomies. You know, the way that, that a lot of people make it seem is like, oh, he had abandonment issues and he just wanted somebody who was never going to leave him. That's one way of looking at it. I also look at the control aspect of it. Mm -hmm. he, it wasn't so much, because when you say it like, oh, he just didn't want to be alone, that makes it sound so sweet and innocent. You're right, you're right. <laughs> but it, it's not, it's control. Yeah. He, his parents splitting up and, you know, him not being necessarily the, the focal point of his right. childhood, that was out of his control. Um, him being gay and sexually conflicted about his sexuality, that was out of his control. To me, it was more about, he just wanted somebody he could have power over. I, you know, that's yeah, just what yeah. I'm analyzing for me. Well, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. I think I I think I took I, I I try to look at it from like every angle. I really try to be objective when I read about these things. Have either one of you ever heard of AJ Holmes? Yeah, that was yeah. like that's technically the first serial killer. Technically. Well, technically no. He there's plenty that predate him, but here in America, he was probably the most prolific serial killer. That, that was here, especially this was during the World's Fair. Yeah, he would have like this torture house, essentially. Yeah. Like, he would lure like these people that came from all over from the World's Fair, and then he would like turn on like gas, and then he would say like, oh, stay in my house, yeah. go to bed and breakfast. So yeah, he made this mansion, okay? Then he made this mansion, and he did this by hiring contractors and firing contractors, and he wouldn't pay him. Okay, so he would hire a contractor to build a staircase, and then he would find some reason to fire that contractor or some reason and some reason not to pay him. And he would he would fire him and then bring in another contractor and he would say, This guy was building a staircase and I didn't want that. Go ahead and wall it off at the top of but put a door. So there were staircases that led to doors that opened to walls. 
There were all kinds of, I mean, fake rooms. And then in the actual boarding rooms where people would stay during the World's Fair, now mind you, during the World's Fair, there were no phones. There was so many, everybody was an immigrant. Absolutely everybody was an immigrant. This was in the early time, this was in what, the 20s? Yeah, they would still write letters. We would write letters, there was, I believe, I mean, it, it was not the way it is now. If somebody went missing, it was so much harder to find them back then than it is now. And he had like a whole trap, like a, what are they called, trash chutes? He would put the yeah. bodies down the trash chutes and they would go into the basement. I mean, he had gas in people's rooms and he had little peepholes to watch these people squirm and die. He would lock them into the rooms, turn on the gas, they would die. He did all kinds of crazy things having, you know, he would chase people up and down the hallways and they would, you know, open up doors that led to walls and and he killed so many people and we really don't even know how many people he ended up killing. So he was in it for the thrill of it. Oh yeah. It seems yeah. like it just like by that cat, fun house. Cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all about the chase, the thrill, the you know, doing something that was completely forbidden. Uh, let me see. Ooh, we got more we got some more comments. Let's see here. Uh, one killer that fascinated Philip was Andrew Cunanan. I don't know who that is. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google that. And then Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. Yes, Alfredo. He was a serial killer, and he was never caught. Very notorious. There are so many theories on who Jack the Ripper actually was. I have a little. I have a question that's a little bit off topic here. So we're talking about people who are actual serial killers. We've already established what defines a serial killer. Now, somebody who is labeled the most notorious serial killer in North America, Charles Manson, never killed anybody. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah exactly. Manipulative. Yeah. Manipulative. But would you define him as a serial killer? He killed nobody. He didn't kill anybody. That is... That is the craziness of Charles Manson. And people label him as one of the world's worst serial killers. He didn't kill anybody. He convinced his family, the Manson family, to kill others and to try to start a race war. And he convinced them that it was inevitable and they were doing what they had to do to bring it around. But he never technically killed anybody. And yet he stayed in prison until he died. What do you guys, what's your take on that? I mean, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily label him the world's most notorious sailor. Definitely the, the most notorious cult leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a cult. Definitely. But, so how culpable in a situation like that is Charles Manson? The courts obviously found him 100% culpable, but like, let's really think about this. He never killed anybody. He just told a bunch of people to, to do that, and they listened. So what do you guys think? I mean, it really just depends on what he provided, because just he didn't necessarily do the physical act. Like, like when they drank that cyanide, mm -hmm. like did he provide that for them? Part of his family? I don't know, I don't believe so. And you know, all the, the, the weapons they use, like, did he provide that? So they probably awesome. just got him in jail on a bunch of technicalities, kind of like when you're an accessory, and there were so many murders, they just kind of stacked it up, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I don't know. That's a tricky one. It is, it is. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Kind of like a, a little mind-boggler, mind you gotta really stop and think. 
along the same lines as far as cult leaders. You look at David Koresh. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Not the same thing. Right. But what we heard was he kept those people there in Waco. Yeah. You know, forcibly. Would you consider him to be like a mass murderer because so many people died? Would would he be held culpable? I would. From a manipulation standpoint, yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's. But it's so interesting to me, the fact that these, these people, they, they don't see other people as people. They see people as objects to be manipulated and to serve their own purpose. And yet they're so, they're so good at manipulating these individuals into believing that they, that they actually care for them and manipulate them to the point where they'll do these things that they would normally find abhorrent. How do you do that? I think it becomes easy when you don't have empathy. That's a good point. You don't care about anybody else's feelings. Uh, you only care, and even though they necessarily technically don't have feelings, they see it as more pragmatic. What are they going to gain out of it? They don't. Right. It's not about. I think when you can leave feelings out of a lot of things, you can do a lot of fucked up shit. You're right. I mean, think about it. You don't have a conscience, so it just becomes easy, whereas we have empathy and feelings, so that stops us from being fucking assholes all the time. <laughs> you know what Not I mean? all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they, it's not even a second thought for them. Yeah. Okay, so with that being said, let me throw something else in there. Uh, not really serial killers, but what about these mass shootings? Mass shootings? I mean, how do, how do you all see those people? People that can walk into a place, are they, can you categorize them? That looks in the kind same? of hard to say because usually most people who commit mass shootings, they don't get to do it again because one, they either get caught or they off themselves. Right. Yes. So you can't really label them as serial killers, but to me, I think for them, it's really hard to gauge, well, was this just an isolated incident? Like, did they just like snap? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can never really say because they don't ever really get the second chance to do it again. So, yeah. so is it, I'm sorry, uh, I'm, I'm trying to separate the two, but yeah. put them together. I mean, I, I, I understand. Okay, so we've got, we've got mass killers, mass murderers, Okay, so like that's what that's what a mass shooting to me would be. That's a mass murder. Well, killing a lot of people at one time. Yeah, killing a lot of people at one time. Mass murder. Completely different from a serial killer, which requires, like I said, the, the cooling off period, the you know the hunting in, the whole thing that that serial killer requires a different MO. I think those people also. I think there's a trigger. I think there's there's there there's always. From what I understand and what I've read and what I've researched, what I've heard them say themselves in interviews, all kinds of things, is that there's some some sort of trigger. It was already there. There was something already there inside of them that was like, fuck this and fuck everybody. And and, and then it, something triggers, they hit, and then they just snap. And they go and they commit this, this horrible atrocity. 
And then they're not remorseful. So I don't think it would have been a one-time thing if they could prevent that, but they know they're going to go out in this one blazing glory. Okay, maybe this is a stupid question, but is that trigger the same thing? It could be, I think. I think everybody has different triggers. I mean, and when I say trigger, I don't mean, oh, somebody said something offensive, offensive, and oh, I'm triggered, because that seems to make it a I don't don't think so, because if you think about it, a majority of, say, school shootings and things like that, their motive is revenge. Right. Serial killers yeah. are killing fucking strangers they don't even know right. at the time. Like, oh yeah, I think I think the motivation is different, but I think it can all be started by a certain trigger. I think it can all be started by something. I mean, I, it, it's just going to lead to something different. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of like mass murders. It's bullying, like these school shootings that we're talking yeah. about. We're talking, yeah. when, when we're talking about school shootings, we're talking about bullying. We're talking about years and years of torment and persecution that these kids have gone through. And then they've just had enough and they're like, fuck this. And they, they feel like that's their only way out. They don't have an outlet. They're not talking to anybody. No coping me- mechanism, the way that you were describing, Brittany. They don't have any coping mechanism. And that's where they see, they see it going. That's what they, okay, well, I'm going to have revenge. Well, I'm going I'm to do this. For a lot of serial killers, I think that a form of revenge is there. Because if you notice, a lot of serial killers, they have a type that they're going after. That type, most of the time, is reminding them of someone, their mother, an ex-wife, an ex-girlfriend, Somebody who did them wrong, and then they they see that person in these strangers, and that's what that's what it, that's what creates an MO. I think the thing that parallels the two is like what I was telling you earlier was that that feeling of control. Vic, you gonna you gonna come join us? Yeah. Come on, come on up here. We got Vic Daniels now here in the house, guys. Give us a second. We're gonna like rearrange. I'm gonna shut the mic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut the mics off real quick. Stand by, stand by. Actually, I can take that down, Dick. I can take that down. Yeah. Don't take too much time, guys. Um, there we go. 
hear me? Test, test. Selena's is Hello. Test, test. I actually can hear you. Test, test. Try again. Test, test. Test, test. Test, test, test. What'd you do? I didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> one, two. Test, test, one, two, three. Test, okay. test. So, 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 there, there she goes. There there go. Go. She's louder than ever. There we go. <laughs> Lord knows I don't need that much volume. I'm Latina. I can be loud by myself. All right. Once again, we are live from the Tavern Corpus Christi, 1402, Rodfield Road. We are talking about serial killers. killers. So, yeah, now we're joined by. Vic Daniels, we got Selena and Brittany Cole. If you're just joining, uh, feel free to watch us on, uh, on Facebook Live. Yeah, so send us a message if they're, you know, ask, feel free to ask any questions or anything on our, our Facebook Live right now. And we'll be sure to try to answer everybody. So we, yeah, we've been through a couple of things already that we discussed with Vic um, yeah, last so, week. Where, where do you got to? You, you kind of heard it for the last few minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, it kind of reminded me of a conversation we had last week where he was saying about uh, Dahmer and how his loneliness and his will and his, he, how he just wanted to keep someone. Is that what we were talking about, Dahmer? Yes. Yeah, and how he, well, for those that don't know, he ate his victims. Mm -hmm. um, not all of them. Not all of them. Uh, yeah, some of them. Um, and he also, and I didn't know this until he told me about it, that he would drug them mm -hmm. to keep them in some kind of like semi-comatose kind right. of state and just lay down with them and hold them close just because mm -hmm. he didn't want to be lonely because he wanted to keep them nearby at all times. And it goes back to the psychology that you were bringing up how as a child he was neglected and had the issues with the parents. Um, yeah, and so that kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, Dahmer even kept the bodies of his dead victims around in his apartment. Yeah, cuddle, yeah that's right. And, and to cuddle and spend time with. So, I mean, he yeah, was a pretty sick individual. That's, that's pretty <laughs> funny. He would yeah. actually cuddle with them after yeah. he would. Um, the smell didn't up. bother him. His neighbors would complain. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about. He wasn't shy about it, especially bringing his victims over. Right. They, they could smell the rotting. Flesh and, and they wouldn't. And they still came how, how over. Do you, how do you not? <laughs> how do you find? I mean, did he have a jars left around? No, he well, whenever but, the police raided his house, right. there was they found like an actual human heart, like in a bucket or something. Yeah, like that. yeah they found a head. There was a head in the fridge. There was, you know, there was a torso, I believe, on the couch. Uh, there was different different bodies in different states of decay. I believe there was one in, in some kind of uh, chemical vat. I mean, like a you know barrel, like yeah, in one of those acid yeah, an acid barrel. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, was it like a, an actual like apartment complex? Yeah, yeah, he lived in an apartment. Yeah. I wonder what the landlord thought of that. <laughs> I <laughs> He's like, don't oh. even want to know. Like, like how do you rent that unit out after yeah, that? You yeah. Yeah, it's like a storage closet. Right. And then some people will try to do uh, um, like visits, and you know, it'll be oh, like yeah. a popular tourist destination. I would totally go and visit it. Yeah. Like, that's See the I would totally go visit that. Uh, no qualms about it. Yeah. Um, 
about it, I would... Try to nab a piece of the carpet? Yes, I would cut off all the pieces of the carpet and hope that there's, like, blood on it. Maybe take a finger? Yes, I would. I totally would. That... <laughs> it's my thing. I yeah, love, yeah, of course. Like, I have... Okay, so have you been to either one of the museums of death? Uh, I haven't, no. No. Oh my god. It's like I, also, I was in New Orleans too. If I, you didn't go! I would have been, been more inclined. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah. I love the one in New Orleans. So, like, within the one in New Orleans, for those of you who haven't been, for those of you who are in, in, in LA. LA. Okay, in yeah, LA. Right. That's right. Yeah, there's one in LA. The one in LA has, like, the stuff on the Black Dahlia. Mm. It's got stuff on Charles Manson. A lot of stuff that has to do with California. Yeah. It's got a lot of, like, the California serial killers. Um, like Richard Ramirez and oh, things like that. And then, oh yeah, so in New Orleans, they had like a whole Gacy display, they had actually handwritten uh, letters from yeah. Ted Bundy to his lovers while he was in prison. Didn't you say you saw one of his paintings? Yes, the yeah. Pogo paintings. I cried, I'm not even gonna lie, uh -huh. I totally teared up when I saw a Pogo painting in person. I was like, oh my god, I never thought this moment would come, and it was just absolutely amazing. And in the back, this was the most interesting part of the, the death museum for me, or museum of death, yeah. was when you walk into the back, it's like red walls, red carpet, and church pews, okay? They're playing like 1950s flapper music wow. that's very like upbeat. Oh yeah, they set the mood so fucking good back there. So it's red carpet, red walls, church pews. You've got a uh, altar of Dia de los Muertos in the corner, and then you've got a projection screen that is showing videos of horrific deaths. Whoa. Completely uncensored, completely like like watching the real death with like clips. Do you need to be like already seen it? I don't believe so. <laughs> I don't believe so. I really don't believe that you have to be over 18 hey, minutes. And if, if you can literally just sit there for hours and never once have anything repeat itself what? when you're watching it. I literally sat there and watched Intense. this video and it never looped. Wow. It was videos of uh, women being tied to trees and shot. It was of uh, people being like, like gruesome autopsies, uh, horrible freak accidents, uh, murder scenes. All kind. I mean, it yeah, was intense. intense, intense. Road trip. Not yeah, for the main apartment. Main apartment. Right? It was amazing. Getting married there. I love yes. our like that scene in Beetlejuice is just what yeah. <laughs> When I was going to get married, I was getting married in black. It was happening. Mm. I mean, and now I have no plans to ever get married. But you know, should it happen, I will be wearing black to mourn the death of my single dumb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, yeah. Real talk. I thought it was going to be more complicated. No, that's it. I love the Nothing color black. We're going deep here. No, it's kind of like Johnny Cash. Why are you wearing all black? You're going to a funeral? Well, maybe. Oh, maybe. Why oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's good. That's good. <laughs> so, who's your favorite serial killer? Um, you know, at the risk, you know, I, I, I listen to My Favorite Murder. And I can't remember the guy's name right now, but it was during the 50s or the 60s, I can't remember. But he pretty much murdered his family. I think I told you this one. Yeah. Um, he murdered his family. Um, so he was, a, the, the worst part is that he was a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so his daughter was getting into, um, was it, it was ballet. And this guy was ultra conservative and 
he thought that the devil had gotten a hold of his daughter. But, you know, by something so innocent as like ballet and gymnastics, I mean, you're just kind of like, he's like, no, my family's kind of forsaken, and he's like, I have to have to set them free. And obviously setting them free is... Uh, Murdering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the logical next step. Guys. Yes, yeah. And so <laughs> they were all at school, and he started with the wife, and um, these were all, um, the victims never knew what hit him. Um, he always did it behind their back or without... What a fucking pussy. Yeah. yeah. What a pussy. So, it's true, it happened. Um, I, I don't remember the name, but... And so the only one that, that actually did see it coming was his mother. Oh, that was upstairs. That was upstairs. Yeah, and the reason they see that is because of the, the bullet fragments. It was, uh, it was, uh, it came in. Shot from the, the front. Yeah, shot from the front, exactly. So you had the balls to kill your aging mother, but you didn't have the balls to look everybody else in the eye when you were killing them. I mean, that to me, that's pussy. And so what he did was he, um, he, he took all the bodies. See, he, it was a big mansion that he owned, and he took all the bodies and he put them in the ballroom. And then, um, did he come? Is this the one that covered up with sheets? He did cover up with sheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, exactly. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and then he, um, I forgot if he turned up or he turned, I think he turned up the He the turned AC. up the AC yeah. to make them preserve a little bit longer. It took yeah. about two weeks for the neighbors to finally see. You should have froze them, then, if you really want to preserve them. Well, but, yeah, and then this, wasn't this like in the middle of summer? Yeah. This was in a southern state. Yeah. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. They started to smell this dish. The family yeah. hadn't been seen anything. Well, the, the lights were on. Yeah, the lights were on constantly. Yeah. And so one by one, like, like it, it's a mansion. So if you see like 20, 30 lights, like constantly on day and night. Yeah, there's But no movement, you know, that obviously. And so a neighbor went to go check in. I think they did like a welfare check or something like that. But a police officer managed to open the window and he snuck in and he said the, the, the smell was just so putrid and disgusting. And he goes into the ballroom and um, yeah, he discovers the bodies. The interesting part is that the, the killer came into the she was shit in the home. But um, he took all the pictures, he moved all the, all the family pictures of uh -huh. himself. And so when they were looking for the guy, they had no reference. And you have oh, to remind wow. yourself, this is like in the pre-digital right. era. Right. And so they didn't know who to look for. Fast forward 30 years later, um, they do a composite sketch of this guy. Uh -huh. And, um, and they ran it through, I can't remember which one of the criminal shows, I can't remember if it was America's Most Wanted or another one. Uh -huh. And he was the first episode. And so he was there watching it with his new wife. He started a new life. Like oh, he went, wow. He went, like he changed his what name. What a puto. So he started a new life, um, got remarried, took up a job as an accountant. Like I don't know how you just go from one to Typical guy, but, was he a Virgo? <laughs> We won't go there. <laughs> Are you a Virgo? I'm not a Virgo. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. And so, yeah, and so the story was that he was sitting there in his living room with his wife watching the show, and then... His picture know, came up Yeah, the could you imagine what the wife was thinking? So the composite was so accurate to the T that they're like, no, this guy, this guy would be wearing these type of glasses. Like, they did like a whole psychological whole profile. Program. Yeah, exactly. And so, could you imagine being the wife and like seeing like? Okay, uh, but what's it like to be a serial killer and to think that you're so badass and you're so unique and nobody's been able to caught you? Yeah. And then the FBI is able to be like, no, we know this basic ass motherfucker. Yeah. He's yeah. wearing these kinds of glasses. And so, uh, <laughs> I would feel so stupid. Nice crackers. <laughs> be like, damn, they got me. Stand it. Buy one, get one free. Yeah. And uh, eventually, it was a neighbor that reported him. Like, hey, that's this guy. Yeah. You know, this guy. Bingo. I know this guy. Well, fuck. <laughs> wow. I would hope so after that long. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm the only one to not answer my question yet on on the favorite series. Yeah, it But I think it's probably because a lot of you probably don't know who he is. Mm. 
And he's not even technically a serial killer because it, it, he's never had three confirmed kills. Mm -hmm. But I, I... Is it gruesome? Is that what makes this one special? Uh, I mean, I guess, because he was a cannibal. Oh, yeah, that's Albert awesome. Fitch. I that up there, Bruce. I was about to ask <laughs> yeah. Albert Fish. You thought he was uh, European. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Albert Fish. Albert Fish was an old man. Yeah. Uh, 1920s, we're talking 1920s New York. We're talking back in the time when nobody locked their doors. You could trust old people because they were all like sweet and shit. So we're talking New York, we're talking this young, not technically young mother, but she had a young child. Her daughter's name was Grace. Uh, they're sitting outside on their front porch. They see this man, an older gentleman, elderly man, looks like a grandpa, he's got a nice white mustache, and he's very just sweet, nice. He comes, he starts a conversation with Grace's mother, and he convinces her to let Grace come with him to his niece's birthday party. Mm -hmm. Well, he had already uh, found the, the right place, the venue for this murder. He already had it all planned out. It was just really finding Grace at being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Did he want to target her specifically? Or was no, she just, it was, opportunity. It was okay. an opportunity. And it, it, but he, he had the idea. Mm -hmm. he, wrote, he, he wrote about it in his journal. Right. right. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. Yes. He wrote, I mean, he even wrote about it in detail, in detail, in the letter to Grace's mother. I'll get to that. So, okay, he's talking to Grace's mother, convinces her that he's this nice old man, just some grandpa. Oh, let me take Grace over to my niece's birthday party. They go to an abandoned house. Grace is playing outside. He goes inside. He strips down naked. He calls Grace inside. Grace sees him, starts to cry, and he kills her. He then proceeds to tenderize her meat. Take that how you will. Then he makes a big vat of soup out of this poor young girl. And he spends the next seven days, I believe it was, eating the entire vat of soup. He then leaves the he leaves New York. Months, months, months pass by. Thank God that Grace's mother was illiterate. She receives a letter in the mail that she takes to the police. He sent her a letter, just, that's how we know what happened. He details in this letter to Grace's mother what he did, how he killed her, and he makes sure to put in this letter, don't worry, I did not defile your daughter, as in I did not rape her. And then he tells her, basically in the same breath, that the buttocks was the most tender part of her daughter when he ate her. Uh, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. When they <laughs> arrested him, in. when they arrested him, they found at least 19 needles in his groin area. He was a masochist. Oh, they were in varying stages of decay and rust inside oh, of boy. his groin area. I mean, he would push these needles deep in as a masochistic act. Yeah. He would flagellate himself, for those of you who don't know, he would whip himself. Wow. And, and I mean, this guy was just nuts. In the, de in the letter that he sent to Grace's mother, he details how he had a friend who, was, who worked on a shipping boat, and he had gone to some foreign country where they were cannibals, they had eaten a boy, told him how they made him, how they cooked him, and how it was like the best meat he'd ever had and encouraged Albert, and that's what made Albert Fish want to eat Little Gracie. Yeah. 
So have you heard of him? Uh, you told me about him actually. Uh, uh, last week. Yeah, yeah that's last week. Did they find him like right away or did it no, take a long time? No, it took a very long time. Yeah. yeah. He actually wrote a letter and like that's the thing. We don't know if it was just like a short story he wrote to like fantasize for oh, himself, but he also wrote something about killing a little boy too. Right, right. And they've never been able to verify that. So that's why Albert Fish is technically not a serial killer because he only has one confirmed kill of Little Grace, but he claimed to have killed and eaten more. Hmm. He was just fucking crazy. Yeah, we Sounds had to like read it. about him in my psych of criminal behavior class. Wow. And then another one, I forget what her name was, but she was like from Romania mm -hmm. and she actually like had like torture cages and shit. And nice. she would like kidnap women and she would like kill them and then bathe in their blood. Oh, she that kind of sounds like Madame LaLaurie. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that was her name. Well, Madame Valerie, she was in New Orleans. Uh, she was she was in New Orleans. The, her the 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 place you could go take like the the ghost tours I did in do New that Orleans. For free. Yes. Okay, so you know who Madame Valerie yeah, yeah. was. So Madame Valerie was a high society lady uh, in New Orleans back in. I'm gonna say uh, like the early 1900s, I think. I was, I think it's oh, like actually, that. Yeah, I think they were. This yeah. was during slave times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was was yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. The early that. 1800s. This was during slave times. Yeah, that's right. She um, would. She had like it was a three-story building. Mm -hmm. The third floor was quarter, very traditional style. Yes, very traditional French quarter. The third floor of the building was a torture chamber. There were. Uh, when everything was discovered, there were slaves up there in different states of decay, different states of, of torture and death. She would skin people alive. She, she really did, she used their blood um, to make a tincture that she would put on her face. She believed that it would delay the aging process. She, her, her husband was known to be a philanderer with the slaves. She was known to kill because of that. Um, there, I mean, and when they discovered her, when the townspeople, the people of New Orleans discovered what she was doing, they burned the whole place down. Her whole family was killed. She wow. was killed. And I mean, it makes for some really great folklore. If you've ever seen American Horror yeah, Story, say that. Yeah. yeah, if you've ever seen American Horror Story, I believe it's season three, it's The, the Coven. Coven. Yeah. The cousin Madame Lalaurie, that's actually a character that's based on a real person that lived in New Orleans at the time. I, and we were talking about this right before the show. I was telling Brittany that what I really like about American Horror Story is that they take real killers and real stories and they bring the actual story instead of the fast, fast what is it? Um, uh, yeah, the exaggerated, oh. you know what I'm talking about, yeah. the exaggerated story that you know the folklore that follows these people and what they did but they uh, they bring in the actual like real statistics and the real numbers like for instance in american horror story the coven when madame lalaurie is back up in her torture chamber and she's going to kill somebody and the, the lady's talking you know the lady that's giving the tour is talking about how she killed at least 150 slaves and she tells her ma'am that uh, the actual number was 62 because i kept a ledger oh, oh shit. <laughs> Which is what she did. She really did. You know, a lot of these stories, they get so sensationalized. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Sensationalized. And it doesn't, like, for instance, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre was billed as based on a true story for so long that people really thought that's what happened. But that's not what happened. Does anybody, anybody yeah, care about Yeah, it was from Wisconsin, right? And he? The, the, the killer who was based off of the... It's based off of three killers. It's based off of three different serial killers, Eddie being the most famous. From Wisconsin, right? I believe he was in, I mean, I want to say yes. He's the one who, like, but he might have been in North Texas. He's the one who would wear the skin, and then he would, like, dress up in his mother's clothing, didn't he? Okay. Philip might not be here with us today. Um, And guys, just so y'all know, if we could ask for some prayers for for Philip at this time, Mm -hmm. Uh, Philip's usually with us every, every single Saturday. Uh, one of the managers here at the tavern, uh, great guy. I've known him for a lot of years. Uh, we're just going to ask for prayers for his family at this time, without going into too much detail. He's having some family things um, going on, and that's why he's not able to make it with us today. And Philip, you know, you're in our prayers. We absolutely love you 100%. He's watching now, so hi, Philip. Uh, he did go ahead and comment. He says, "So, do you believe that Hollywood contributes to our fascination with serial killers?" with movies like Seven or Natural Born Killers, and do these movies glamorize the killers? I'll let you start with I have not seen any either of those movies. What? Um, what is wrong with you? I haven't seen Seven. I heard Seven was really great. So it's fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's got Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. What else do you need? So, well, so, so <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm going to go watch it right now. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, it's entertainment. We all want to see guns blazing, uh, people being killed. Um, going back to the Ted Bundy, uh, what was it? Uh, what was uh, the, uh, yeah, who was it called? It's a weird name. What, uh, the, the movie? The, 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 yeah. the new yeah. one for Ted uh, Bundy. It was, oh, God. Something shockingly shocking evil, evil and vile. Yeah. yeah, so, I, I mean, I was, was a dumb title. That's yeah. I, I saw it uh, when it came out, and I saw it again last night. Which, by the way, thank you for yeah. pointing me in the direction of that movie. It's a, yeah, it's, it's great. It, it's great for. I absolutely hate it. You don't. You don't really see too many. <laughs> it's not as violent as one would think it would be. Um, it's more of the you, you see more of Ted Bundy side of it, and honestly, um, some parts of you start feeling bad for him. You're like, man, yeah, that's why I hate it. No, but it's it's a different take because otherwise, I get it. You, you normally hate the bad guy. I get like, it. All right, well, it's from you know. Liz's side. It's from her perspective, and she absolutely loved him. Yeah, I fucking get it. But when you're gonna do a biography on a fucking serial killer, look, pay attention, Netflix. Are you listening? <laughs> Netflix, next time you want to do. <laughs> no, fuck that. Next time you want to do a biography on a serial killer, I want to see some of the crimes they committed. They didn't show not. They didn't show how horrific he was, and that pissed me off. Yeah, and let me be the devil's advocate here in a friendly manner. Uh, Do it! Everyone's seen it. Like, I, mean, who, who, I get it. Like, every, if you want to see someone gashed up, that's what the that's what hospital's for. I want that's the truth what, uh, of it. I want you know. the truth of it. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that. a love story. He was no, he not was just a, a pathological liar. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I definitely agree with that. I, just, I, I, I like for the different take that. A serial killer was finally right. presented. Yeah, I get it. It was from a different perspective. Yeah. It's from Liz's book, her perspective, how she saw him. But at the same time, I was like, don't sensationalize it as this, it's a Ted Bundy movie, and it's all about the serial yeah. killer. No, they needed to advertise it as from Liz's perspective, I think. 
Because I think a lot of people didn't get it. Yeah, but the draw is Ted. I mean, the name, the name, you know. That's why I like watching the documentary about the confession tapes before I watched the movie. Ah, Because by the time I was done watching the confession tapes and how they go into detail, I was like, okay. It was kind of nice to get a different side slash perspective. Oh, yeah. I absolutely yes. do. I loved that. I did love. I did love that Netflix did that, and they they went ahead and yeah. pulled them out. That was that was pretty good. What what other movies? Serial uh, killer movies. Yeah. Um, Based on a true story. Yeah. What other ones are you guys like? It, it, because okay, the thing that gets me. We always get these movies from Hollywood that build themselves as based on a true story. But exactly how accurate are these movies? Oh. They're not. Yeah, they're, not. Yeah. they're not. They get the Hollywood sensationalism. They get beefed up for more yeah. rating. But the thing that gets me there is that usually the true story is a lot more twisted than what oh, Hollywood yeah. puts out there. For instance. Ooh, I did think of one book. Yeah, go for it. No. Uh, the Gacy movie. The Gacy movie. The Gacy movie was pretty good. Yeah. I will, I will, I will say that. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy movie was pretty good. It, it was. Can you tell people who it is for who, who may not be familiar with John Wayne Gacy? Uh, yeah, well, we kind of did earlier. Oh, okay, we, got, yeah, yeah, okay. we did talk a little bit about John Wayne Gacy yeah. and how he was a pillar in his community. He, I believe he was a deacon at his church. He was also a clown at children's birthday parties. Yeah. We talked about a little That's bit so to kind of catch up. Yeah. He would have these children sit on his lap and shit. For stuff, and then at the same time, he had 14-year-old teenage boys that were in the crawl space of his house. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the there, yeah. yeah. And he would invite them over. So he was. He also, uh, he employed people for like little odd jobs. He had right. a little construction company, if I believe that was correct. Right. Yeah, and so he would invite like after they'd be done working, he would invite them. He's like, hey man, you know, you want to come by? We could smoke a little weed and have some beers, you know, these 14, 15, 16 And they're like, yeah? No, like, yeah, hell yeah, that sounds I'm like fun. This guy's a cool guy, you know, yep. cool man. Yeah, mister, right on. And so, uh, so and he would brutally yeah. rape them? While his wife was upstairs. Yes, he, he, he was, yeah. it, and that again, it goes back to like, okay, so he, technically, John Wayne Gacy, he was gay. He was suppressing his sexual urges. He, he, this was back in the time when being gay was, Still very taboo. Yeah. So he married. He married a woman. He had children. He, you know, yeah, he had, what he had the American dream. He had property. Yes. The wife, the kids. Same with the BTK clip killer, yeah. which is what I was telling them earlier. Same thing. Property owner, deacon in his church. Good job. Yeah, very good job. A pillar. They're called pillars of the community. Society, yeah. People that you would never suspect. Yeah. Isn't it just like it's amazing? Appalling. Yeah, there's cost space. I don't, you know, and it's funny because you say appalling and I say amazing in the same breath, but it, it just never ceases to amaze me. Well, some people hide under a veil of a smile, you know? Yeah. Like, just How fake people can be. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's like a switch? Like, do they just, well, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? How you yeah. said, like, they get triggered? Mm-hmm. It, it's, I think. I don't know. I mean, oh, well, some people just, like how, okay, so well, then, while we're on that, yeah. how come Liz never got killed? Yeah. How come he didn't kill Liz? You know, maybe he separated. She could be lying. Oh, I see. You she think could she be He would ask her to pretend that she was dead when they were having sex and not move. Oh, shit. And she would do Wait, it. You didn't hear that in the movie. Of course not. But that's what it was. They tried to make it out. 
like feel sorry they for him. They didn't show how bad he treated Liz in that movie. How no. she was she was told to play dead when they would have sex. That's the only way he could come. Wow. She's like, all right, and she just like She <laughs> complied. She complied with it. Oh well, I mean like I was telling you earlier, that's why most serial killers when they're looking for mates, they're looking for somebody that's gonna be submissive and idolize them because oh, they're course. narcissistic. They're narcissistic, and narcissistic, of course, is going to go hand in hand with wanting control. Control of another human being. Yeah. There's actually been studies that show that people who have a narcissistic personality tend to gravitate more towards people who have more like a borderline personality. Well, because they're a little more vulnerable. They kind of feed off of each other. Yeah. It's like that codependency. Ah, I can see that. So while we're on, we're, we're going that way, what about teens of serial killers? You guys know anything Teen, about that? Teenagers? Teenagers? Oh, teens. Teens. Yeah. So uh, do, you, do you know about that dynamic? Any of y'all? I've kind of studied it. Yeah, I've, I've heard of one case on, on the podcast on Michael Murder and I said it was about. Um, she, they talked about this couple, and it was in the early 1900s, I believe, and um, they well, no, it was around 19, uh, like, it was after World War II. And the reason I say this is because there was this guy, and I believe that means, but there was this guy, and he met this woman, and, you know, casually, just on the street or whatever, and asked her on a date. And so he takes her to go watch a movie on the Nuremberg Trials. She's not here. That's not the first thing they need to go do. It's not here, uh, yeah, exactly. And so he took her out to it, and then I guess she kind of like, yeah, this is kind of cool. And so she, he's like, he essentially like, all right, yeah, this this woman's cool you know, in his world, and so he he's like that was just like his first check, and so afterwards he starts telling her like, oh yeah, you know, about all the gruesome horrific acts that the Nazis did on experimentations and blah blah blah, and she found it fascinating. So it's it was kind of like a stepping stone, like all right, like what if we did something like this? And she's like, yeah, like that sounds fun, and like eventually they did end up murdering a few. So are we okay? So wait, where was this? UK? Um, I believe it might be the UK actually. UK or here? Because there's lots of like couple serial murder. Like this wasn't England. Uh, this wasn't England. It wasn't okay. Yeah, there's wasn't there's several. Yeah. Like there's for a docu series on Netflix. I think it's called. Killer couples. Killer couples. Yeah. yeah. There's even a kids who kill. Yeah. I, I think I've pretty much seen all. Yeah, me too. <laughs> if that just tells you where my interest lies, yeah. that's that's the kind of shit that I watch. I mean, I, and and even. The ones that I think really get to me, it aren't the ones that kill strangers, aren't the ones that torture and brutally rape women. It's the ones who abuse their own children. Like for instance, there was a couple in the UK who their oldest daughter, they pretended she ran away. He was holding her as a sex slave. The wife was participating in this. She ended up being murdered and put into their crawl space along with many other hitchhikers that came to stay with them during that time. That, to me, is just like completely mind-boggling. Like how, how on earth do you do such decrepit things to your own child? Yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me of John Bonet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, Still unsolved. Yeah, who do, you, uh, who do you think did it? Me, personally, I think the dad did it. Yeah. Or the dad or the brother. It was one of the other. She was found in the house. Yeah. There was no outside either. One of those motherfuckers had to do it because they're a sick motherfucker and they were just never able to come up with enough evidence. 
We have some comments on the, the live feed right now. Uh, Philip was talking about the, the female serial killer that Charlize Theron played, and of course, Eileen Warnos. Oh, yeah, now, Arlene Warnos, I think, is a very specific case. I think she's a little bit different than most serial killers. I mean, correct me if you think I'm wrong. I think she's a little bit different. So, Eileen Warnos was a prostitute. Um, she was a prostitute, she was a drug addict. She was very violently raped by a John. After that, she then killed a bunch of Johns. Really? Was it, yeah. was it Which tells you... Oh, okay. So it wasn't okay. that particular John, it was the Johns beyond the first John. It was the Johns beyond the first John. She had, I, I mean, what I would assume was very extreme PTSD from what yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then finding herself in the same situation, it would She's be a like, trigger, and then she would kill, yeah, yeah she, she would kill Johns. Wow. So, to me, what, she's, she's a very unique, unique case study and very interesting to talk about. What do you guys think about that? Do are y'all familiar with the case? I am, yeah. Not familiar with it, Eddie? I'm not familiar with it. Okay, well, what do you think, Brittany? I mean, I think it's like you said, like, yeah, it's a little different because definitely there was some sort of pathology going on there that wasn't necessarily like your typical serial killer, right? where we see like antisocial personality or narcissism. Right, I don't think she took pleasure out of these kills. I wouldn't say pleasure, but definitely, cause she, how many did she kill? Do I don't remember, I really don't remember the exact number. Definitely some sort of self-soothing. I think, yeah, I can see that. I get, I can see a little bit of self-soothing. Oh. I can see that due to the PTSD of her situation. Were they all happened. associated with while she was working? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every single one of them. So they but might have know, been routine at some point. Then after the first few, it's like, I all right, I gotta kill this guy. That tells you a little bit about the difference between men and women. Because let's think about it. Let's put apples to apples. We have Eileen Warnos, female serial killer, killed plenty of men. We've got on this side Ted Bundy, prolific serial killer, killed plenty of women. Ted Bundy, I'm going to make a point here, and I want you to weigh in, Eddie, and I want you to weigh in, Vic. Yeah. We've got the man over here who had to come up with all of these creative reasons in order to get women to get into his car so that he could kill them. Mm -hmm. The only thing Eileen had to do was promise to touch their dick, and these guys were more than willing yeah. to take her off, and then or, she was able uh, to murder her. Simple creatures. <laughs> Stranger danger, I get in nobody's fucking car. <laughs> I always drive. I just say, No, she got into the she was the hooker. She didn't have the car. Field trip. That's still down the upper. At a certain point, though, her willingly getting into these cars and continuing that line of work even after she was really raped yeah. doesn't sound like that's PTSD why. is her roots. That's why she's culpable. Yeah. I think that's so why she's she deliberately culpable. does it. Yeah, like for pleasure. Like, yeah. to sue or whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. But then you can also have the argument, well, she had to continue that way of life because it was so hard. She got put into the same situation again, got triggered, flashbacks. Yeah. Well, so I, what do you do? You How know, do you differentiate? I'm not a doctor, but I would think yeah. people with PTSD don't typically put themselves in the same situation again and again and again. You have those I, I agree. Uh, that lifestyle is obviously, if you have to choose that, then, you know, the right. lifestyle is obviously difficult. Then. Yeah, but to kill it, to kill it. I mean, uh, I guess I can't understand it from my perspective. But, but it makes you, it makes you yeah, wonder, right? Yeah, it's something that makes you think. Like, yeah. is this, which was this 
involuntary? Yeah. Was it was she trying to get these guys to make her trigger? What was the final tally? Right. I don't remember. I, I have to Google it. I think that's what you just said right there. Was she trying to get them to trigger her? Right. And I think that's really where it lies. The question lies. Yeah. Was she doing it? Like she, did she want them? How that? do we know that? But how, and at the end, how do we know? How how culpable is she? What ended up happening to her? She's in prison. Oh, okay. She, so I think she reason. ended up with the death penalty. So this is reason. Uh, she's in prison still. I, mean, I believe she's still alive. I could be wrong. What did the murders happen? Oh, this was back in the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah this wasn't like super far. But going back to Phil's question, does Hollywood sensationalize oh, of these murders? Yeah, absolutely. Of 150 percent yeah I, I mean they're they're not in it for for the educational yeah. side or the accuracy or facts or anything accuracy. like that they're, tr they're trying to make money You're ultimately right. well at the end of the day we can villainize the producers of these all we want but we buy into it I mean, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. that's true so, yeah i mean yeah. you're so you're yeah, contributing to the problem <laughs> yeah exactly. but on top of that too it's not even just murders i mean look at all of the shit that came out of our r kelly that's all anybody talked about on facebook was these girls being raped and held hostage and you know we like a scandal let's just be honest we like the cheese man the piping hot oh, tea <laughs> <laughs> Tea. <laughs> and Selena's like, hold that thought. You said cheese man. <laughs> but uh, once again, we are live from the Tavern Corpus Christi, one four zero two Rockfield Road. And give a shout out to Jason for allowing us to do our podcast here, dudes at the bar. We're at episode seven. Uh, we're talking about serial killers. We're joined by uh, Brittany Colt and Vic Daniels. Uh, and Selena, who's missing right now, but uh, not to take away from, from our topic, but I know, uh, Vic, uh, you had some some news as far as uh, your, your workplace. Yeah, yeah, so I work at, a, just a really quick tidbit, uh, yeah. I work at Corpus Christi Camera here. Um, we're having our third annual camera fest, and that's starting tomorrow. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, cctxcamera.com or our Facebook page, Corpus Christi Camera. All our events, times, locations are posted right there. We're going to be having 20 plus free workshops. Um, wow. 20 plus free workshops during the week, uh, starting tomorrow and through the end of the week. So, oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All week long, is that, do you have any times or anything like uh, that? You know, we have 20 plus. Uh, it's it's going to be, uh, so tomorrow actually, we're meeting at the Pizza State here on the Nishasan. And we're going to do a telephoto kind of nature wildlife walk. Okay. So that's our first one to kick it off. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, on Facebook, uh, check out our events tab, Corpus Christi Camera. Um, everything is listed there, dates, locations, people are going to be there. We're going to have some of our vendors come out, uh, let us play around with a bunch of lenses. We're going to be uh, teaching workshops, doing lectures. It'll be fun. Nice, man. That's awesome. So go look them up, Corpus Christi Camera. Um, I, I've looked at y'all's Facebook page. I really hasn't, I haven't dived into it too much, but uh, it's uh, it, it looks pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I, I stay away from there just because of the, uh, the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, definitely, we have a lot of problems. So. Good deal, good deal. And uh, on another note, uh, if you, we talked about this uh, a couple of times uh, before, uh, we uh, have, right now, the U.S. is in the Women's World Cup. Oh, that's right. And the, and the women are, uh, 
the men are in the Gold Cup right now, mm -hmm. and uh, the Tavern is the proud home of the American Outlaws. We're the official supporters of the U.S. soccer men's and women's uh, team. Uh, we got a match on uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night at, I believe, 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, you can find it on our Facebook page, American Outlaws Corpus Christi. But uh, check us out. We should have some uh, snacks or food, and uh, I believe there's some drink specials tomorrow. Right now, if you're driving around, anything like that, looking for something to do that night, the tavern has $2 Ultra, and they have uh, $4 Red Bull and Vodka as well. So, uh, if that's your fancy, come on out. And, uh, Apparently it's $2.50 Lone Star. Oh, hold on. I know, you turned off my mic. I did. There's a reason for it. But you see how it is, you're like, fuck no. you, bitch, you're yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no no party breaks on this podcast. <laughs> no shit. No, but we're actually at an hour and uh, ten minutes, I believe. Mm. So, time flies. So we gotta wrap it up. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. And, uh, but well, it's been awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Vic, I wish you had been here. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I gotta, Responsibilities, <laughs> but uh, thank you for having me. Though, so what, is, yeah, what does that mean? Are you taking a shot at me? <laughs> no, I have responsibilities. No, 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 no. I was at work. I was at work. No, no, no. I was at work. I want to do a quick plug, real quick. I was over there before I came here last week. We talked to Miss Victoria Vidal with the Sensory Silent Disco that's going on right now for all of the families, going on from 1 to 5 p.m. today at First Baptist Church, located on Ocean Drive. Make sure you make your way out there. They've got taco trucks. They've got all kinds of family fun, family-oriented activities for the kids of all ages. It's all-inclusive. If you have a child with disabilities, uh, the ticket is 50% off. Make sure you make your way out there today. Support a great cause. That's the Autism Spectrum Resource Center of Corpus Christi. A lot of the families here at Corpus Christi rely on them um, for therapy for their children every single day. And I really do appreciate everything they do for our community. Shout out to Bill Butler uh, with the ASRC Corpus Christi uh, and Victoria. You know, I hope everything's going great. I'll be heading over there after we're done with the podcast again to go and help out. Um, there have tons of door prizes, guys. If you can make your way out there, make your way out there. At a, close to the end of the day, close to five o'clock, we'll be doing the door prize for two Astros tickets that Kempro Carpet Cleaning sponsored for a door prize at this event. So make sure you get out there and you get your door prize tickets for the raffle and, and you take your kids out there. Uh, just, you know, if for no other reason than for them to experience what other children on the autism spectrum are like, because children on the autism spectrum, I say it all the time, they're different, but they're not less. And, and it's a great learning experience for neurotypical children or people who have never been around children on the autism spectrum to go out and experience how amazing this is. Um, so make your way out there. Make sure that you pick up Brittany's, um, go ahead and do a plug for your, your magazines again. So Center Stage Magazine dropped yesterday. Um, if you go to my Facebook, I shared the link this morning. If not, you can Google Center Stage Magazine, the Summer Body Issue 2019. Me and a bunch of other uh, awesome fitness models are featured in there. The theme for the Summer Body Issue is Defy Your Limits. So they really did some in-depth interviews about our stories. And then um, the other one coming out either now or sometime between 
Now on July 15th, it just depends on the store. Everybody gets their shipment in at different times. Uh, Strong Fitness Magazine. Um, it's gonna be available at Walmart, Barnes & Noble, anywhere there's a newsstand, Whole Foods, Walgreens, all that. So, thank yes. you guys. And she's always accepting new clients, so make sure yes. that you go follow her on social media. Uh, what's your Insta? Uh, my Instagram is culprit, C-U-L-P-B-R-I-T. I do one-on-one -on -one individual personal training, and I also do online training and nutrition programs for those of you who have busy schedules. Yes, make sure you look out for Brittany. Uh, Brittany's amazing. She's an amazing competitor. She's an amazing trainer. Make sure you, you reach out to her if you're looking to make some changes in your life. And then uh, Philip wanted me to make sure to let you guys know we have Tina La Cochina next week. Oh, I don't know who that is, but She's that a, sounds uh, like a lot She's a uh, local comedian. Awesome. Uh, yeah. She's actually hosted an event here at the tavern and uh, She's, she's pretty awesome. She's funny. Awesome. So Can't wait to see that. And then on July 13th, guys, don't forget to check out our cosplay show. We're going to have some really great cosplay actors that, could be, or, that come on, and, and we're going to be interviewing them about cosplay, going to the Comic-Cons, and all kinds of things that go along with that. Um, I'm going to be dressing up as well. We're going to have a really good time, guys, so make sure that you continue to tune in. Follow Dudes at the Bar podcast on all of the different avenues you can reach us. Uh, we're on, um, we're on what? We're on... All over the place. We're Seriously, on Apple, we're on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are YouTube. We are actually on YouTube. Our videos are uploaded every week. Um, Spotify. Uh, yes, we are on Spotify as well. Yeah, so make sure you make you follow us on on all of those so yeah. that you can always if, stay up to date with us. If you're uh, as you heard Vic mention earlier, he turned me on to this podcast last week. Go check it out. I listened to a couple of episodes, one of the many episodes of My Favorite Murder. Uh, the girls on there are pretty awesome, and people are, are very, uh, they, they, they send them these, these stories of, of stories. Oh, yeah, the hometown murders. murders. The hometown murders, yeah. They're my favorite. Yeah. So, I like the I mean, ones that come with haunted stories. Um, yeah, yeah. I like so, the ones where they're just friends with the guy for like the whole life and then one day he snaps and he's like, man, we had sleepovers together and you know, he went wild. And, and yeah. I like the ones that nobody suspects. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're real covert assholes. <laughs> so there's plenty of avenues where you can listen to us. Uh, check us out, um, especially this episode. If you want to listen to it again, I know I'm gonna. I'm gonna go have to go back to and listen to it yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna so, make sure I fact check myself. Yeah, we're gonna, have to, drinking, we're so. gonna have to. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to revisit this this uh, topic again. Oh, we're gonna have to. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> but uh, once again, Phil. Uh, we miss you. We miss you, brother, and uh, thoughts and prayers for you and your family. Yes. Peace, everybody. Uh, yeah, but uh, send him a message. Flood him with uh, plenty of love. Positive thoughts, positive yes. vibes, some prayers, if that's what you believe in. Yeah. Make sure you send that over to Phil. Um, yeah. We and love gotta, you, Phil. And I gotta say it, Felicia. Felicia. But uh, Vic, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Yes, and uh, Brittany, Brittany, thank you very thank much. You. Always a pleasure. Yes, make sure you guys follow her on social media so we can follow her fitness journey because next time she is in a good place for her nationals ranking. I'll be doing powerlifting later this year. Fuck yeah! Get it, girl! <laughs>
On the right hand side, it should, there's a big blue bar. You see it or no? Brittany, if you stand up, I'll move this couch back. It'll give you a bit more room to get out. There we go. Uh, I don't believe she is. 111 views, guys, on my watch party. Nice.